In Matthew chapter 21, I'm going to drop down to verse 9. Just the last part of the triumphant entry. It said, Then the multitudes went before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, when they would cry out this Hosanna, what they were saying is, Lord, save us. They had so much confidence in Jesus. At this point, Jesus had already raised Lazarus from the dead in a nearby town of Bethany. And then and at this time, that Jesus really was staying in Bethany. By him standing back there. So he just came from Mary and Martha with Mary washing the feet of Jesus with her hair and anointing his body for burial. Now he approaches into Jerusalem because he is the king. And as he approaches into Jerusalem, the first thing that he does is so odd. He sends and asks for a donkey. The donkey is sent to him at his request, and Jesus mounts that donkey. I want you to just imagine the people. Here, they're expecting the approach of a king. A king would normally approach the city on a white horse, bearing soldiers with them. They would march in, declaring that they were, had come to establish their kingship. And they're now in the capital city. But as you would be there as a spectator, and you would look down the street, and all of a sudden, who you expected to come in on a white horse of battle, you would see Jesus approaching on in the humility of the donkey. I tell you what, Jesus just has a different way of doing things. And we've got to realize that the more that we can honor that in our lives, then the greater measure of God we can have. There's not a one of us here this morning that's not expecting God to do some things in our life. Even if you're here and you're not saved, you're still expecting God to take care of you, to provide food on your table, to protect your loved ones. There's all these expectations. But what happens is so many times, what we expect are the way we expect. Jesus, say it with me. Jesus just has a different way of doing things. But Jesus has understanding in his different way of doing that. And I, I feel that as a word from the Lord to someone here this morning, that you have grown real disappointed. You've been praying over an area, and you've been expecting God to come through. And you been, haven't been able to see it. And what's happened is the spirit of discouragement has tried to take hold to you. I'm here to tell you Jesus just has a different way of doing things. But if you hold on to Jesus, honey, Jesus will come through for you. And Jesus will work things out for the glory of God. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want you to think about the suffering of the Lord. And then I want to think about Jesus just has a different way. And suffering is something that we so, in our way of thinking, we put so far from us. In fact, we say, Jesus, you suffered so we won't have to suffer. Well, that's not really true. The Lord has ways of bringing things to pass in our life, and God uses suffering. If you're here suffering today, now I want you to know God wants healing to take place in whatever area that you're suffering. Whether you're the suffering in the midst of grief, whether you're suffering in the midst of sickness, whether you're suffering in the midst of pain, God wants to bring healing for that. But God will even use that in the midst of that suffering. Whatever you're suffering through, you can suffer in faith. You can stand in the midst of that difficulty with a hand that is raised and a praise coming out your lips. And you can say, God, I don't understand what's happening, but I've learned to trust you. 
and you can be just like those that was railing him on that day. But what happens is, if we allow ourselves to develop the way that we only want God to move in our life, we end up with a lot of disappointment. And that's what happened here. These same people that were praising him or raising uh, praises of Hosanna to him, the very next week they were crucifying him. You don't want to be that kind of person. You want to be a person that trusts God no matter what. Because God just has a different way of doing things. You may not can see your miracle. You may not can see it happening. But you have faith in God. That even beyond the place that you can see and beyond the place that you can figure it out, honey, Jesus is still working for the glory of His King. Amen. So that was the first thing that we have to do. He came as the, riding a donkey. We have to just understand He was going to do it different. And our highest expectations will still fall so below His power to do things. Because what we're still looking, we're looking at from a human point of view. And all the time, God is offering us a higher level of living. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, the second thing that kind of shocked Jesus, uh, shocked the crowds there that day, they were expecting Him to come in and expecting Him to do something. They were expecting Him to come into town, ride into town as the victorious conqueror. And they were expecting Him to conquer but you know what Jesus did? Nothing. He did nothing. And because of that, their anticipation was so, so dwindled that immediately discouragement began to take a hold. Honey, even when you feel like nothing is happening, I'm here to tell you, something is happening. And even in the moments where you feel like God is not helping... God is helping and God is changing. Amen. Everybody say it with me. God's ways are higher. And Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9 says that for as the heavens are higher than the earth. Notice what it says. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Notice what it says. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, even though you cannot see this going to work out for good in your life, God said, if you will continue to trust me, I'm a master at taking disasters and making them miracles for you. So if we will continue to trust the Lord. Now notice what this word says. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. Now I want you to, if you have a pencil, I want you to circle that word there, the word heavens. Because it said, as heaven. Most of us, our, our faith can only handle one heaven. But all of a sudden, we find out that God is using a term that's describing heavens. I want to talk to you this morning about the three possible heavens. And as I talk to you about the three possible heavens, I want to help you, I want to help possibly to explain why things have not worked out. I want to possibly explain to you why the difficulty has been why you're still wrestling with things that you thought that you were already been a winner on five years ago. Why you're still having to deal with everything. Why you're still in the trenches. Some of you are still in the trenches in your ministry. God has called you to a great calling. And you've been doing what you could to bring that to pass. But here you sit here this morning and say, Jerry, if I was honest, my ministry is still right where it was. Others of you are still wrestling with health issues. 
you would, you would, uh, uh, sickness, a disease that attacked your body and attacked your life. And here you are, you've been trusting God to heal you, been trusting God to deliver you. But if you're honest this morning, you would say, Jerry, I seem to be still, if not even worse possibly, than I was when I started. I tell you, there is an understanding that God wants to bring into all our life. And let me tell you, if you're going to live earthly, you will never understand it. If you're going to live earthly, then you will never, ever be able to come to a place of understanding how God is working in your life. But if you will allow yourself to do what Jesus said, he offers us a higher place. God offers us a higher level of living and a higher sight. God offers us a seating with him. The Bible said in the book of Ephesians, God offers us a seating with him in heavenly places. And let me say, if you're seated higher, things are going to look different. You can have a greater confidence because if you're able to sit higher, you can see further for the glory of God. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power, verse 21, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand. There's such a difference between Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament is God coming. In the New Testament is me answering and me coming up to God. There's such a difference in that. It's such, it brings such a difference in my understanding of the battles I'm facing. It brings such an understanding of what I'm going through. See, because many of you are still, your prayers are so Old Testament. And some of you say, I can't understand why God hasn't come to my rescue. Well, honey, you've got to be able to move in the Spirit. And you've got to allow yourself to move into the New Testament way of believing. You've got to allow yourself to come up levels of, of, uh, to a higher place if you're going to see God do things differently in the midst of our life. In fact, when Jesus was teaching us to pray in the New Testament, Jesus said, pray and say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed and praised be your name. See, the New Testament tells you it doesn't matter what you see. You start out with praise and worship when you approach God. Some of you are so filled full of discouragement, you start out with grumbling and complaining. Let me tell you, I know when I am prone and give way to the spirit of self-pity. But I tell you what, every time that I give away to how poor I am, poor old me, what happens is I'm stopping and stealing the hand of God from being able to move. All the time, God's calling me up to live in a higher level of understanding, a higher level of talking, a higher level of believing, a higher level of trusting. God's calling me up to a higher level. And if I want to be a New Testament believer, I'm going to have to realize Jesus has offered me a seat right beside him. And Jesus has called me up to him. Now, somebody says, Jerry, I don't understand. Are you saying I'm going to go to heaven? Yeah, I'm going to tell you you're going to go to heaven, but your body's going to stay on earth. What he's calling you up, he's calling you to a higher level of trusting in him, being seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, having a higher view over your life, being able to trust God when things are going bad, and being able to trust God for things to change. Amen. It's just a higher level of life. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in His mercy, because of His great love, which He loved us, and He's raised us up together. That's what Jesus has done. What happened when Jesus came out of that tomb? He gave me an opportunity. 
I can live low-level living, or I can begin to say, Lord, I want to, I want to do what your word says. I want you to allow me. And it's an amazing thing about what worship does. Worship can take a point of discouragement, and when you're downcast, and if you begin to worship God, as the Bible says, then all of a sudden God will begin to almost pull you. All of a sudden, your spirit will find a freedom, a trust, a faith in God being able to see things differently. You know, I watched Lonnie do that through the sickness that he just went through. And Lonnie, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you being able to walk through cancer trusting God, being able to hold your head up and hold your hands up and being able to trust. And because of that, Lonnie can sit here healed this morning. That's because he allowed God to draw him up to a higher level of living. Amen. And it says, as he raised us up together and God has made us, what it says in Ephesians. Don't you love the book of Ephesians? I say, a book of Ephesians may be too spiritual for some people, but those that want to believe God for everything that God says, they love that book of Ephesians. Because the book of Ephesians, we call it the holy of holy of the New Testament. It carries you in the depths of God. And what it says, he has raised us up together, and he has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Whenever devil's trying to make you get discouraged. You say, I can't be discouraged because I'm seated here with Jesus. I can see so far into my circumstances. Amen. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, seeing then that you have a great high priest who has passed through the what? Passed through the heavens. You need to circle that again because it's not a heaven. It's heavens. It says, Jesus has passed through the heavens. Now, if you go back into Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, or if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, you'll find that God created the heavens and the earth. He created the heavens, plural, and He created the earth, singular. There's one earth, but right there in the very first book of the Bible, first verse of the Bible, God's telling me there is a multitude of heavens that God has offered me. Now, we've all heard the expression, you think you're in the seventh heaven. But that's not biblical. It's not, it's not true. In fact, that's, that's really a demonic origin. That's the enemy's attempt to try, try to destroy what the Word of God says is holy. But the Bible gives validity to the third heaven. And I don't know about you, but I went to Hogskin County School, and they taught me at Hogskin County that three comes after and two comes after one. And the Bible gives such validity to that. Praise God. All right. An awareness. Everybody say an awareness of the third heaven. If you want God to do some things in your life to be able to come into it, and that's what the wonderful thing about Easter is. Easter just opens the door and lets us know there was something deeper going on than what you could see going on. <laughs> Easter just lets you know there was some wonderful things that was happening that you couldn't see happening. That all the time behind the scene that God was working. And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, notice what it says there, Paul's reading. Paul's writing. He said, this boasting would do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelation. Paul said, I'm fixing to talk to you about spiritual things. Paul said, I'm fixing to talk to you about some things that you can see spiritually. Verse 2 says, I was caught up to the third heaven. Do you see that what Paul said? Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows 
whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things. Notice what happens in that third heaven. Paul tells us, you begin to hear things that are astounding and things that are too wonderful for a human person to hear for the glory of God. Things no human is allowed to tell. I want to tell you, the, God has a throne. That's why the Bible says, come unto the throne of grace. In the Old Testament, it's the, it's the throne of God's mercy coming down. But in the New Testament, it's us coming to the very throne of God. God has given us the unction to every time we pray, we have an opportunity. I can come to God's throne. Do you realize that? Every time, every time I pray, every time God exhorts me to come to the throne of His grace. God offers me a seating. God offers me a door of opportunity. A lot of people they don't understand the book of Revelations, and, and it's just so clear. To, if you can, uh, or parts of it, it seems to be so clear. Because what the book of Revelation opens up with, with John being offered the opportunity to come up to a higher place. And as John begins to come up to a higher place, the next thing he finds himself, he finds himself in heaven. <laughs> and he finds himself before the throne of God and the 24 elders and the wonderful creatures. And all of a sudden, John began to hear things there in heaven. I believe this with all of my heart. I believe there are secrets that God has for every person. I believe there's ways that God wants to do things. There's ways that God wants to turn things around. I believe God has answers for every family in the world. I believe that God has, a, has an answer for every dilemma in the world. But what it is, we're so earthly-minded. We're praying for God to just come down and help my mess instead of realizing if I can allow God through praise and worship to begin to draw me to a higher place of living, God can move me up to where I can begin to see things and I'll begin to hear things that's not... That that's not even right for any human to hear. You begin to hear the secrets of God. Many of you are wrestling for a revelation from God. You don't understand. The greatest way to get a revelation to God is just, is just, just crawl up in the lap of Jesus and take that scripture and allow him to unfold that scripture in the midst of your heart. And out of that revelation, God will cause power of God to be released. I mean, it's just a wonderful thing. In Revelation chapter 4 is where it says that... then. Then John is saying here, then I, I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. He said, I saw a portal, what he said. He said, I saw a doorway that was open in heaven, and God was offering me the opportunity to look at things differently. I'm going to tell you what, God is just offering us an opportunity to look at things differently. Now, it's not hard at all to find the first heaven. The first heaven declare, the heavens declare the glory of God. Man, there's not a one of us that can't walk out in the middle of the night and we can look up toward heaven and say, we can say, Billy, man, we can say, man, God, you have to be real. To put a, a, sh a light that bright up there, you're just letting me know that you can hang anything anywhere for the glory of God. And we can look, hey, the Bible says they declare the glory of God. I don't care who you are. You can walk out in the middle of the night and you'd have to be pretty dumb not to be able to see God and be able to find the presence of God illuminated there across that sky because the heavens declare. What does it do? It declares the glory of God. And I'm so thankful that God has given that beautiful heaven. Everybody say that beautiful heaven. I'm so thankful that God's given that beautiful heaven that day in and day not day that God is there to declare the greatness and the glory of God. There's, I don't know how many times uh, Abraham used that great heaven when he would walk out and when uh, temptation was fighting him to uh, disregard or disbelief, he would walk out and just one glimpse of that great heaven would bring into Abraham such faith to believe God. And Abraham moved underneath the great 
faith that he had. And because of that, he's still our example of faith. I'm going to tell you what. Aren't you thankful that God has spread such a beautiful heaven out that declare his glory? God's home planets and stars. You can see God the master. No man can compete with God. No man can compete with God. No devil can compete with God because he's a master and hanging it on nothing for his glory. Amen. We praise God for that. Now, the one that's a little bit more difficult to understand is possibly that second heaven. But that's where the scripture just read, where it said, Jesus, our great high priest, our great high priest, passed through the heavens. Yes. Because we have to understand the end of the possibility. Now, this is harder to find scripture for. It's so easy to find scripture for that third heaven. Because that's heaven. Where's going to be our home one day? Heaven. And one day we're going to get to live there with Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Can you imagine? But do you know what? The Lord's offer is that we can visit there daily. Amen. The Lord's offer to us, the Lord's offer to us that we can become heavenly minded. The Lord's offer to us that we can begin to think about things as heaven thinks about. In fact, the word of God tells us that we're going to get in our life as it is in heaven. If I'm going to believe and trust God for things, I must realize some things that's been won for us in heaven. Because my faith becomes dependent on as it is in heaven. Amen? So, what is already done here? See, some of you are begging God to heal you. You don't realize up in heaven there is no sickness. You understand what I'm telling you? And what God has called us to do is to be able to draw on that resource as it is on earth, as it is where? In heaven. And God has called us to draw on that resource that's in heaven. And instead of asking God to make you a new cake, why don't you just realize he's got cakes already baked in heaven for the glory of God. And all we have to do is get in, our, get in a position in heaven and lose praise and worship. I say it is so powerful. That's why it talks about in Psalms 149, which says the power of praise and worship. The power of praise and worship it steals the hand of the enemy. It stops the devil flat. I don't care what the devil's trying to lie to you. I don't care what he's trying to take away from you. I don't care what he's trying to steal from you. You can use praise and worship. You can praise your way through anything for the glory of God. Oh, the saints used to say, I need to pray. I need to break through. I need a breakthrough. What are we talking about? What are we breaking through? We're breaking through that, that barrier. We're breaking through whatever it is that the enemy has put in that second heavenly, so to speak, that's trying to keep me from drawing from the resource that God already has provided for me in heaven. If there's anything that Easter tells us is that Jesus has already bought it all and he's already paid the price. And I've got to come to a place to be spiritually minded enough to where I can believe God, whatever. The, now, uh, when we come to fighting the enemy, trying to talk so fast. <laughs> There's not a one of you here that they're not a match for any demon in hell. Well, number one, demons are not in hell yet. But one day they will be. But demons has been assigned against every one of our lives. In fact, there are demon powers, according to Jesus. If there's anything that the life of Jesus revealed to us is that the battle is spiritual. And the demons are the source of the havoc in our life. But then Jesus said, I give you power of all the power of the enemy. And so God gave us his wonderful name. 
I don't care what devil is trying to torment you. The name of Jesus can handle it. There is no demon that's any match. There's any match for the name of Jesus. And you take a person that can believe, that can believe in the power of that name. Somebody says, I don't understand why my mind is thinking that way. I don't understand. When things get unnatural, I look for unnatural sources. If your battle has grown to a place to where it's become an unnatural battle, if what the things that you're facing, what I mean, if you've been circling that same thing for most of your life, and you say, Jerry, I just cannot break this cycle. Or maybe you're having to deal with situations and maybe, maybe those that you love, maybe you're watching somebody that you love with all your heart and you're watching them for the 50th time give way to that addiction. You say, this is just not natural. Some of you have a family disorder to the point you say, you know, this is just not natural. Well, let me offer to you the possibility of that being demonic in its origin. Do you realize, I know that if a thousand demons can fight one man, at least two can fight you. You hear? So I'm here to say that what you're fighting, it may be abnormal. I'm going to tell you, if what you're fighting, if, if, if demons are fighting your finances, you're not going to be able to make enough money to, to fill that hole up. You've got to understand, there is a possibility. Everybody say there is a possibility. And all through Scripture, we have to, we have to come to a place where I'm going to, I make a decision, I'm going to believe like Jesus. I'm going to be a believer. And I'm going to quit thinking about things. See, because one of the greatest deceptions of a demon is to get you to think natural. Because as long as he can get you to think natural, you will never get rid of him. You will never fight him. But the very moment that you will begin to think spiritual, you begin, you know this happened? This thing I'm having, you know it's not right. I've been fighting cigarettes 20 years and I quit 50 times. I can't understand why I keep having the same very battle. Well, I'm not saying that it is. But I'm saying there is a possibility that the source that you're having may be demonic. But demons can be dealt with. Everybody say, demons can be dealt with through the powerful name of Jesus. And so you just begin to offer that name and say, you devil, I'm tired of those ugly thoughts that you're putting in my mind because Jesus tells us that's warfare. Demons have access. I don't understand those. They're disembodied spirits. I don't understand the thing about them. I know they're craving for a body. I know a demon has to have your hand if it's going to have a hand. I know a demon has to have your mind if it's going to have a mind. Because a demon does not have a body in itself. That's why they're, they're craving a body all the time. And that's why they're constantly trying to get believers to make a deal with them, to open up a door. And that's what anger and unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness. And, isn't that right, Billy? That's what that does. When I, when I give way to those things, I say, well, somebody just hurt me. No, I have to understand that that's been planned by the enemy to take me down. And if I give way to that, it will open up my life to a demonized living that I'll be doing things I don't want to do and I'll be saying things that I don't want to say and, and I'll be acting in ways that I don't want to act. And they won't stop till I become their puppet in their hand. <laughs>
It may be demonic. But you have the name of Jesus. And you can begin to use that name. Say, devil, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of you tormenting me. I'm tired of you harassing me. I'm tired of you afflicting me. Jesus dealt with demons in every way. Demons that cause mental agony. Demons that cause physical sicknesses. Demons that cause uh, lunacy. Jesus dealt with demons and all his... If I'm going to believe the Bible, I've got to believe that part too. There's no way I can take the part of just salvation unless I'm going to take the whole Bible and understand that that whole Bible is true. So I want to really encourage you. Last Friday, last Sunday night, Phil Rich gave a prophecy over this body. And he said, it was a time where we had to put on our warrior clothes again. Had to come into a place to begin to fight back the forces of darkness. The truth of the matter is, Jesus has already won the war. I'm just going to stand in the name of Jesus and fight that battle for the glory of God. And if I will fight with the confidence that Jesus has already won for me, there is no demons. Somebody approached me the other day, and she's here this morning. I love her with all of my heart. And she says, I love you. She said, there's a fear in my heart when I think about demons. I want you to say, there's been a whole lot of old wives' tales. There's not a demon in anywhere that you have to fear. Because Jesus has already given you power over all the power of the enemy. What's trying to happen in your life, demonic, just deal with it. But there is another arena. Not only is there demonic battles, there's also fallen angels. We go back to the first fallen angel. His name was Lucifer. He was a bright star, the Bible says. He was beautiful. In fact, he had the power to bring praise and joy into heaven. And Lucifer is not a bad name. There's a wonderful, what, it, what it means is, it means a bearer of light. That means he was able to shine with the glory of God. But the Bible says that one day iniquity was found in Lucifer's heart. And that, when, when the iniquity was found in his heart, Lucifer fell. He said, I'm going to begin to exalt my throne again, higher than the throne of God. When he began, that pride began to work in his life. Then what happened to Lucifer? He became Satan. That there was such, what was created to be such a light being. And then the deception was such a lying deception to where he convinced a third of the angels. Now the Bible says there are an innumerable amount of, of angels that encamps around about each one of us. There are, there are multitudes, millions and millions of, of angels according to the scripture. And a third of them were convinced, were deceived to follow Satan in his rebellion. And they become what we call fallen angels. Now Ephesians chapter 6 tells that Satan's kingdom is not a it's not a loose kingdom. Satan's kingdom is set up with powers and principalities and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a ranking of order in Satan's kingdom. 
And those fallen angels, somebody said, oh, I thought a fallen angel and a demon was the same thing. I don't understand how that could be because a fallen angel has a celestial body and a demon has no body. Now, I believe there are places in the Word of God that tells us where demons could come from. We'll maybe talk about that someday because I, I think you need to know possibly where their origin may have been. But they're the foot soldiers of the enemy. We know that. They're the foot soldiers of Satan. But he also, not only does he have foot soldiers, he has this high ranking of... And I want you to know, when you're talking about a fallen angel, you're not talking about a little creature that stands off in a corner somewhere. You're talking about a creature. Those that have seen angels, they tell us they stand in stature of like 11 to 15 foot tall. The, uh, one, one godly angel can uh, killed on the field of battle. This is what they are in comparison to humans. One godly angel in one night killed 175 people, 175,000 people. They are such warriors. I'm talking about they are such... Now, now you take that and you see the side that has fallen and they formed a hierarchy. They formed a, a, a regiment of attack against your life. And when, you, when God begins to form destiny in your life, I think there are things that, that, that get their attention. <laughs> I think one thing that gets their attention is when you begin to see I've got a destiny. God's called me to do something. God hadn't put me here to be a do-nothing. God's put me in this world to accomplish something for His name. And then when you begin to, to think about destiny, it's going to say, I believe that our kids are going to be stronger. I believe they're going to be greater. I believe our grandchildren will be taught of the Lord and obedient to the will of God. And great's going to be the peace of our grandchildren. When you begin to believe things like that, you begin, you begin to signal signals in to the courts of the devil. And those signals begin to call forth for these spirits of darkness which are fallen angels to develop a strategy. But I'm so thankful that the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, even though the devil is getting strategies against us, God has the power to tear down those strategies for the glory of God. And the only difference I see is this. A battle with a demon is short-lived. It's like things that you can, the Bible says, give you power over all the power of the enemy. But some of you have drawn the attention of not only demon powers, you've drawn the attention of those fallen angels and they've developed a strategy against you. That's why you've run against the same brick wall for 15 years. That's because there's been a strategy that's been raised up against you from the portals of darkness. But God sent me here to tell you this morning that even though the devil is a strategy against you, God's power is able to free you. God power is able to break. Stay with it, honey. Don't quit. Don't pull off. Stay with it. Don't be satisfied with what the devil has offered you. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Break through whatever needs to be broken through for the glory of God. And that's what I believe the Bible calls a breakthrough. Now, if you don't believe this, you found it labeled and detailed in Daniel chapter 10. When Daniel had been praying for 21 days and interceding over something that had destiny associated with it, he was connected with something. See, some of you, the reason your marriage has fought all hell because God wants to use you. God has a calling on your marriage. 
to some of you, the reason your finances have been a terrible mess and you can't get things straightened out, that's because God has a prayer. God wants to make you a blessing to so many people. And hell has just launched a strategy. The reason that Pine Bluff is so hard is because the devil has decided that he's afraid of you too and he's made a decision. I'm going to resist them. I'm going to fight them. I'm going to build a strategy against them in their life. Amen. And the reason some of your families have gone through such torment because God has a purpose not only for you but for your whole family. And God's purposes for you are so great, so wonderful. It said, what it's done is sent off a red light in hell. But really, that's not where he is. But, but he say that God sent off a red light into the kingdom of darkness. And the big boys have come after you. And the big boys have developed strategy against you. And the big boys, they play mean. Demons play mean. But they're the foot soldiers. But the enemy is called the highly skilled. I want you to tell you, when you're talking about, when you're talking about fallen angels, fallen angels, you see some of you, oh, I just wipe away with your name of Jesus. Don't tell heaven that. The heaven had such an ordeal of moving them out, it called it a war. If heaven has to fight something so hard that, and do you know what? Somebody said the cross made the difference. That's why heaven's going to fight him again. You understand? You understand? Now, the cross has won it all. Everybody say the cross has won it all. But what I'm telling you, your little shoeing may not shoe them off. But if you begin to build your faith like Flint, and you will begin to say, I don't care what the devil says. He's a liar. And I don't care what the devil tries to do. He cannot hold my family. I don't care what the devil tries to do. He cannot hold this city. And you will begin to build your faith like Flint. And you will stand at whatever God's ministry, whatever God's called you to. I will not quit until that ministry is alive. I will not quit till this ministry passes into that other generation. I will not stop. You begin to rebuild that resistance to what the darkness has tried to say. Honey, God has salvation for us. But we will not get it if we quit. We must determine, I'm going to fight this thing to the very core. I will resist. God made me a soldier on the field of battle. I'm going to win this thing for the glory of God. Amen. Well, there's a lot of others we need to say. I'll talk about it a little bit tonight. But just know there's a strategy that's been launched against you. Many of you. And the reason you're having to fight it so hard, honey, is because God has called you to so much. And God's called you to so much that heaven wants to use you and hell wants to stop you. And if it was just a little demon, you would wipe it away. You would clear the slate. But you have what Ephesians 6 says, strategies of the devil that's been assigned against you. But that's where we get the scripture on breakthrough. God has breakthrough. He can break through the thickest wall. He can break through the hardest resistance. God has breakthrough. Daniel learned the strength of breakthrough comes in a continuous worship of God. If you would just determine 
nothing going to stop me from worshiping God. Nothing's going to stop me from worshiping God.